I took a new job with a, it was a contract engineering tech company. And I was really pumped about this job. And so I started, you know, uh, in Chicago, had to go to Baltimore for all my training in their sales process and the way they did stuff. And so in that first couple of weeks I was in Baltimore, I got a call from my mom. And as I answered the phone, she said, Dave, you got to come back home immediately. Your dad has had a massive stroke. And so as soon as I could get on a plane, I did. I flew back to Michigan, and I was with my family. I sat with my dad for about 10 days while he was in a coma. And then he died. Um, I mean, it was, it was a brutal, devastating time for me and for my family. And so and I tried to go back to work. I went back to Chicago and, and got started there. And I mean, I was, I was just a wreck. I was you know, lost. It was, it was just a dark time, really trying to figure out what was going on with my life. And my boss you know, sat me down and he said, hey, Dave, uh, just, you need to take some time to get your head together. Just you know, head back to your family, figure things out, and then we'll, then we'll talk about when to bring it back. And so I spent some time that summer trying to get my head straight, trying to figure out, you know, where, where am I going in life? And so I went back to be with the company later that sum, uh, summer, and they put me in a different office. They moved me closer to my family in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And something un- unexpected happened that week. So that week I was starting up again in Grand Rapids. I got a call from the CEO of this company. Now, this, was a, this guy was a billionaire, this is a big-time company, a billionaire. He now owns the Baltimore Ravens. And he called me because he wanted to see how I was doing. He was concerned about me. He asked about my family. What's going on with my family? How's my mom doing? And then he said something that I'll never forget. He said, Dave, you're going to do a good job. I believe in you. Now, that stuck because I felt in that moment valued. I felt significant that this guy, I mean, there was no reason, nothing that would compel him to call me. He didn't have to. I hadn't done anything for the company. I'd barely worked there. And yet he took the time to call me and value me. Now, that's a pretty cool thing. But when you think about it, even though it was cool, he didn't know me. I mean, I hadn't spent any time with him. I wasn't going to spend any time with him. We were never going to have any kind of a relationship. And even though I felt valued, I still wanted to be known. And have you felt that desire? I know you have as human beings, that desire where you wish you could be known by somebody else. I mean, when we look at our, our, our work life and our work experience, I mean, how many people at work truly feel known, right? It's, it's not a big percentage. In fact, Patrick Lencioni, um, who's a management consultant, he says that um, 75% of people are at least some level of miserable in their jobs. Can you relate? And he says one of the primary causes of job misery is anonymity. And that means that your boss doesn't know you. Oftentimes, our boss doesn't care a whole lot about us as a person or know much about our family, about what we aspire to be or what what we hope our future to be. Our boss 
or supervisor is often preoccupied with other things. Maybe for you, it's, it's dating. I mean, you're wanting to date, thinking about dating. Maybe you're dating already. And the whole process seems so superficial. You want to open up, but it's scary, right? It's difficult. And then when you do, you open up to somebody else. Oftentimes, whatever you say gets left hanging there. And it's awkward, right? The other person seems into themselves, not so much into you. And what do your friends say? They say, hey, bro, she's just not into you. Move on. Or maybe it's some friendships. You have some friends. But when you think about it, it's like, do any of my friends really get me or know me? You feel alone, insignificant. And even at home. There are times where you want to share some of your deepest things, some important things with your spouse or with your kids, but they seem to be in their own world. And maybe if you have teenagers, it seems like an even greater disconnect because they're distracted by their friends, their technology, and they may even think that Taylor Swift or Kim Kardashian's tweets are more relevant than what you have to say. Even at home. Some of us feel like we're not known. So where can we be truly known? Well, this is, uh, here's the the essential foundation for this, for any of us. If we want to be known, it's got to start with God. No matter what we think about God, no matter where we would uh, assess our relationship with God, it's got to begin with God. And here's what Tim Keller says about this. He says, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense. It humbles us out of our self-righteousness. It fortifies us against any difficulty life can throw at us. So in the scriptures, as we look into the Bible, we learn that God truly knows us as human beings. Here's what the scriptures say. I mean, we can look at all the things that we don't understand about God, but the scriptures are consistent throughout in terms of God being interested in human beings. He's interested in us, what's on our mind. He wants to have a relationship with us. God knows us. This is what we talked about last week. God knows us better than we know ourselves, and he loves us anyway. And so God knows everything about us. He's familiar with our ways. He knows when we're born, and he knows our name. He knows what's on our minds and on our hearts, and he knows our motives. He knows how many hairs are on our head. He knows the number of our days on this earth. He knows when we do well, and he knows when he messes up. He knows everything about us. And while this is amazing, it's also scary, isn't it? Because we can't hide from a God who knows everything about us. You see, we were created to be known by him and to know him personally and spiritually. That's the other side of it. Last week, we talked about how God meets us right where we are. He knows us, 
But the second part of that, this essential other part, is that he wants us to know him. He just wants us to know who he is. He wants to have a relationship with us. So here's the question. He knows us, but do we know him? Are we ready to step into relationship with him? Here's what we learn about Jesus. Jesus meets us right where we are. And this is the most important thing that we have to know about God is that he meets us and then he also calls us into a relationship where we will know him and experience him. And Jesus is saying to us this morning, I just want you to know who I am. Do you know him? Well, Jesus, as we look at this conversation that he's having with the Samaritan woman, it's John chapter 4. Here he is talking with this woman that he wasn't supposed to be talking to. In fact, people avoided her. They stayed away from her. She was so broken. Her life was, you know, such a mess. She'd had so many relationships. And yet Jesus meets her right where she is. And essentially... He's saying, hey, I know all this stuff about you. But I love you anyway. And I'm inviting you to follow. I'm inviting you to come into relationship with me. And so they started having this conversation about what it means to know God. What does it mean to have a relationship with God? And so Jesus, I mean, she asked him a kind of a question. She says, well, here's what Samaritans believe. Here's what you Jewish people believe. What's true in terms of worship about knowing God? And Jesus cuts right to the heart of it. And he says, well, let me tell you. You Samaritans, you really don't understand this worship thing. The Jewish people, they know all about God, but they don't get it either. And he says this. He says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. They are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. So what's worship, and how does it relate to knowing God? Well, the Greek word for worship is proskuneo. You're like, okay, so what? Well, proskuneo means for us to give reverence to something, to bow down or kneel before it. So think of this for a minute. Um, If you've been married, there's typically something that happens. There's a proposal, right? And so when Candace and I, um, before we got married, I made a proposal. And I got, it was extremely romantic. It was something like this. Not really. I mean, the only thing that I did right... And if if you ask her, she would say, well, Dave's proposal was underwhelming. But I got down on one knee and I asked Candace to spend her life with me. Now, does that mean that I worshipped Candace? You can ask her that also. She would say, hey, does Dave worship you? Not so much. But what was I doing? I was submitting my life and my heart to her. I wanted to be known by Candace and for her to know me. So what's worship about? It's about knowing God and being known. 
And this happens from our heart. It's a a spiritual connection. It's where we begin to be in relationship with God in the deepest way possible. It's about submitting our lives to Jesus who came from heaven to meet us, to show us that God was for us. So God invites us to to devote ourselves to him. That's what it means to worship truly, to open our hearts to him, to depend on him, to believe that he is the one who will show us the way in life. He's the one who just asks us, I just want you to know who I am. And here's the amazing thing. Okay, so Jesus... Think of it this way. Jesus, the creator and CEO, I mean, sent by the chairman of the board who left the home office in heaven. I mean, he had this incredible view of the Milky Way and yet he came down into our world to become human, to show us God's love, to lay down his life so that we could experience life through relationship with God. He didn't just make a phone call. He came and he met us. He met the woman, the Samaritan woman, and he meets you and he meets me today. That means that God is willing to go to crazy lengths to have right relationship with us. But for that to happen, we have to take the step of trust and belief and worship to open our hearts, to be willing to connect and to devote ourselves to him and to what he's about. Here's what uh, it says in John's gospel. For God loved, so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's for each one of us. So when Jesus shared these words with the Samaritan woman, I mean, there was a stirring inside. When we hear these words today, our heart should be stirred as well because it, we're asking the question, We're saying, could God really love me where I am? Could he really be for me? Is he truly inviting me to live in this kind of relationship, to connect with him moment by moment? And the answer is yes. Jesus tells us yes. Here's what he said in John chapter 14. He said, I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know the Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you've seen him. Because Jesus came into our world, he's saying, if you've seen me, you also get to see the Father. And we're called to respond by faith and to give our heart and our worship to the God who wants to know us, but expects to be known. Here's also what Jesus says a few verses later in John 14. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, a counselor to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Here's the amazing thing about relationship with God is God becomes a part of it. Uh, us. His spirit connects with our spirit. You know what that means? When we believe, God gets in us. 
He gets under our skin and his spirit begins to help us and to connect us to what's important in this world and what's important to God's heart. And he gives us grace and he gives us strength. And as we become true worshipers, we learn to experience what it's like where we can just know him for who he is. So the question is, do you know him? Do you want to know him more? This is what Jesus demonstrated as he spent time with the disciples. He called people to follow and he had this group of disciples that were with him. And as I, uh, you know, I went through that, that time years ago when my dad died, it was a hard time, a lonely time in a lot of ways. But that's where I began to realize that God truly was with me. He was there. He was guiding me. He was picking me up. His spirit was lifting me along in the days where I was having trouble focusing. When I was hurting, he was there. And over time, I experienced his gracious presence and the reality, this mysterious reality that God was with me. He was right there. And so I started reading the Bible, started reading the scriptures more often. And what I started to, uh, to, to see a picture of is that Jesus, when he was with the disciples, they weren't just hanging out, but he was there with them. God present with them. He was teaching them. He was showing them what life should look like. And I think we know what this means. Um, it's not about being in a class. I mean, there are things that we want to learn about God when we pursue this life, you know, life of knowing God. There's some things that we want to know. But it's more than that because it's the stuff that we kind of experience. And so if you're a parent, you kind of know what this is like. We teach our kids stuff, right? And so we brought you know, a new daughter into our house, Emery, and it's, I mean, it's just been about six months that she's been with us. And the first thing, the first thing that we wanted to set is that we love her no matter what. And so over time, as she's become, you know, kind of felt like, okay, I am a part of this family. They do love me. She's learning to trust us. And she's, you know, not only receiving love, but giving love back to us. And we're teaching her, I mean, all this stuff that she's learning. And one, uh, one, uh, one day, this is sometime in the last month, we were driving around, and I don't remember where we were coming from, but we stopped at a, a light near 1604. And there was a guy over there with a, you know, a cardboard sign. And I don't know anything about him. And I don't respond all the time when I see somebody who's asking for help like this on the side of the street. But this time, I just felt like, I want to help this guy. So I'm stopped at the light, um, get out my wallet, you know, start pulling you know, five or 10 bucks together, roll down the window, and I hear this shuffling behind me. And it's just Emery in the car with me. And I look back at her, and there she is. She's pulled out her purse, and she's pulling out a dollar. And she says, Daddy, can I help too? That makes me want to give every, every opportunity I have, right? Now, did I teach her that? No. She caught it. And that's what it's like for us as we spend time with God 
in the scriptures, as we see Jesus in his way of life, as we spend time with other people who are trying to follow God, we catch it. So here's, here's what I'm going to ask you to do today. Um, I don't know how much uh, time you spend in the Bible, but I'm going to ask you to do something because God is making an invitation to you today. So this is the CEO of the universe who's inviting you to sit down with him on a daily basis. Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. He truly does. And so would you be willing to set 10 to 15 minutes aside each day to spend some time with God? And so you can pull out your Bible app, you can get a Bible and just read a verse, read a paragraph. You don't have to attack the whole Bible. Take a small section. And as you read, you can pray. You can ask God for help. You can sort out whatever problems you're facing and put them before God. But for 30 days, would you be willing to take 10 to 15 minutes a day with God? Now, don't knock yourself or beat yourself up if you miss a day. You're going to miss a day. But he's going to be there for you the next day. God wants to sit with you and begin to show you what it's like to know him and to make him known. Um, Here's here's an incredible thing. So throughout the, the Bible, when we read people's stories in the scriptures, we see people that when they meet God, when they begin to grow in their knowledge of God, when they spend time with God, we see them do incredible things. We see ridiculous God-type things happen. And here's what Paul said. When he's reflecting on Jesus and the significance of God's presence in his life, Paul says this in Romans 8. He says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? Talking about the grace of God. If God is for us, who can possibly be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? God is alive and inside of us through faith. That means today, as you say, God, I want to know you. I want to be a part of what you're doing in the world. God says, yeah, I'm in you. And I will show you ways you can do it. It reminds me of a a story um, about this guy up in Chicago. His name was John. And he was was really growing in his relationship with God. I mean, really seeking, searching, wondering, okay, God, as I know you, how can I help others to know you? And so as he looked in the streets, downtown Chicago, as he looked along the streets, he would see young men that really kind of wrecked his heart. Young guys that were living on the street forgotten guys. And these were guys um, who grew up without fathers. I mean, they lived on the street. Oftentimes their mothers were strung out. And everybody they knew were either selling drugs, doing drugs, they were selling themselves, whatever they could do, stealing stuff, whatever they could possibly do just to live and get by. 
And so this guy and some of his friends really had a heart for these young men on the street. And they started, they they created this kind of halfway house called Emmaus. And they would start doing these Emmaus walks through downtown Chicago from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. in the morning. Sounds pretty scary, doesn't it? But they felt, this is, we want to do this. And so they would go out and they would invite some of these guys to come to their halfway house. To come if they wanted help and they wanted to know more about God. And so on this one night, this, this young guy, Joseph, who had experienced all this stuff, um, he decided, I want some help, and he came along. And so, um, you know, the next day, as they're all sitting around, they're kind of getting ready for dinner, um, John, you know, John invites Joseph over to the dinner table. And he's kind of sitting over by himself, and he says, uh, hey, John, he kind of whispers, he says, John, come here. He says, um, I've never done this before. And John's like, done what? He says, uh, I've never done this family dinner thing before. I've never sat down with somebody to eat. I've only seen it on TV. And John knew in that moment that he had an opportunity to say, hey, I know you don't feel like you belong anywhere, but you belong here. Joseph, we want to know you, and we want you to know the God who's made himself known to us. You know what? This this church, this community exists for that. To know God and to be known by him. Why do we live out come as you are? Because we all need that. We all have a starting point. We all have needs. We need encouragement. And you may never do something radical like this. I don't care what what God asks you to do. But you have an opportunity to open up your life to somebody else and to invite them in and to say, you belong. And I want to introduce you to the God that I'm learning to follow, who knows everything about you, loves you anyway, and is inviting you to know 